Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. So, anyway, so we're going to get started today. Uh, I want to start by telling you um, something that really has impacted my life. In August 2017, something happened that shook me and shook my family. My brother that was 43 years old was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. No idea. He just began to have some pains. And it got severe. He couldn't take it anymore. He went to the hospital. And within four days, he was the healthiest guy you ever met in your life till the sickest guy that you ever met in your life. And I just want to say, you know, during that time that he was uh, having that diagnosis, doctors come into the room, and at the end of four days, they just basically said, you have five months to live, and you're going to die. Five months. You know, he didn't ask for that diet. He didn't ask for a time frame. They just come in and said, listen, five, you got five months and you're going to die. And, it, you know, so I, I remember going to the hospital room, if you can imagine that with me, walking into that room, and, and he gave me the diagnosis. But he said, Jeff, I believe that God's going to take care of this. I believe God's going to take care of this. But I watched how it changed his life. How that he no longer was a man that just uh, looked at life as an everyday task. He looked at life as something to be lived and lived passionately. It changed him. And I watched him begin to visit people that he had not visited in a long time. I watched him tie up loose ends. And so what I want to share with you today is we're starting a brand new series, and it's called One Month to Live. And you know, the reason I I, I give you that topic is because one month to live simply means this. It means if you had one month to live, how would your life change? How would your life change? What would change if you had one month to live? And so the idea is, is through these next couple weeks that we, we go and get it down right now. Let's get it right now so that we don't have to take a diagnosis, but let's just get priorities straightened out now. And we learn to live passionately. And that's what I want to talk to you about, how to live passionately today. I don't want to, we don't want to just exist anymore. We don't want to just pay the bills, go to work, pay the bills, go to school, you know, come home, go to college, you know, work, work your job, and then come home. No, we want to live passionately. And I want your life to be full. Don't you want your life to be full? Amen. To be full. And so today I want to give you three things that I believe strongly and that I'm beginning to practice myself that will help us do that. And the first thing is this. Would you just write this down? Are you ready? The first thing is a little long, but it's, it's so true. It's stop letting, stop letting your favorite day of the week be someday. Someday. Not Saturday. 
Not Sunday, but someday. Someday. Your favorite day of the week to be, stop being someday. Let me explain this to you. Someday, when I get out of high school, I'm going to stop using so much profanity. Someday, when I get married, I'm going to stop sleeping around. Someday, someday, when I, when I have my house and my car, I'm going to get out of this financial debt that I'm in. Someday. And every one of us have lived in someday. It is the most dangerous place to be because... God did not create us to live a life of lackadaisical just existence. You're created for more than that. And some of you sitting in this room, you're like, well, you know what? I've already raised my kids, so I'm good. No, you're not. If you're still breathing, there's some more in you. Listen, let's don't die before we die. Amen? I want, to walk, I want you to walk with me now. There's a guy by the name of David I want to introduce you to. One of the most famous stories in the Bible. If you, if you haven't been to church, you probably have heard of David and Goliath, right? Uh, I remember in the 70s, there was a song that came out about David and Goliath. It was a pop song. I can't remember the name of it right now. But uh, I almost sang it to you, but I'll, I'll, I'll not do that for you guys. So, <laughs> you're welcome. I heard that over there. Remember, it's a small room in here. <laughs> this, 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 this guy, David, who is about 15, 16 years old, is out in a pasture. He's out there, what he does, does all the time, he's out there watching his father's sheep and making sure that everything's okay. And one day while he's out there watching his sheep, all of a sudden there's a lion that comes out and it's going to attack the, uh, his father's sheep and that means their livelihood and because David is a child of God he calls out on God in that moment of, of almost panic and he, and he goes after that lion as it goes to attack the sheep and somehow he's able to kill the lion that's amazing and then David again is having another one of those moments where he's out there in the sheep. He's, you know, he's, uh, he's just watching the sheep. He's probably, you know, worshiping God. He, if you read the Psalms, you begin to hear how he talks about the meadows and the valleys and all this stuff. And there he is again. A bear comes out of the woods, a big bear, and it comes to, to take away the, his father's sheep. And again, he calls on God and he says, in the name of God, the most high God, Help me. And he runs and he attacks the bear. And somehow, he kills a bear. Now David is out, picture with me, he's out there now in the, in the pasture, minding his own business. And his father, he gets word that his father wants to see him. And he goes back to his father's house and his father said, David, I want you to go and I want you to carry some food to your brothers who are in the army. They're only about 20 miles away, 30 miles away, and they're fighting a battle. And the way that, listen, the way they fight battles was not with drones back then. You know, not planes. They didn't do that. They would, they would actually, two armies would sort of line up on, on the side of a hill. One would be on this side of a mountain, the other on this side of the mountain. And they'd meet in the valley and they'd fight. 
And so as, as David runs, uh, he takes, uh, you know, the food that his father's given to his brother, and he gets to the, to, to the army of Israel, which is the army his brothers were fighting in, and he gets there, he finds out something. As he walks into the camp, he hears this, this person cursing his God. And he, he looks, and he peers over the, the cliff where everybody's looking down, and there's a nine-foot giant down there just screaming out curses and saying, you know, the, uh, uh, anybody that's man enough, come down here and fight me, and if you beat me, then my whole army is going to surrender to you. And so he would get down. His name was Goliath. The Bible says he was about nine foot tall, and he was giving out all these threats. You know, you bunch of sissies up there, come down here. You know what? I don't like your God, and I don't even like your mama. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I don't know about when you was growing up. You can talk about daddy. You can talk about my brother and sister, but don't talk about my mama. Right? Are you, am I right about it? Am I right about it? That's right. Don't talk about mama. No matter, it didn't matter what mama was like, but you don't talk about mama, right? Shoot, I found that to be true in my own household. <laughs> my kids have told me, yeah, Dad, when people talked about you, we didn't worry about it. But when they said something about Mama, uh, we was fighting. <laughs> Gee, thanks. <laughs> and so Goliath down there talking about their Mama. He's talking about their God. He's cursing them. He's calling them every name in the book. And guess what? David walks into his camp, and he hears a bunch of someday. Someday I'm going to go down there and fight that giant. Someday I'm going to go down there and shut him up. Someday I'm going to go down and take him on. Someday. And it was of nothing but a bunch of army people, guys in the army saying someday. And David said, no, 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 no. No, no, no. Our God's not the God of someday. Our God's the God of today. Amen. Amen. He's, a, he's a God today. And so David decides that he's going, he says, you know what? I'll go down there and shut that big mouth up. I'll go down there and do it. And they say, you know, the, and everybody, including his brothers, begin to tell him, David, you can't do it. You can't do it. Look what the Bible says. Talking about Saul, the king of the army, look what he says to David. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. Let's read those next five words. You ready? Come on, read them. You are only a boy. That's right. And he has been fighting from, from his youth. And so what they were saying was, David, be reasonable. Someday you're going to grow up. Someday you're going to be okay. Someday you'll be able to fight him. But today's not the day. S someday you will be, but not now. So just take your little snotty nose home. <laughs> that's what they said. His brother said that too. The king said that. And see, that's what the world says to you. Is whenever you get ready to start, start living today and facing your giants in your life, and start taking risk. And let me tell you something. A God risk means it takes faith. That's what, you know, you can say risk or faith, whichever one you want to say, it doesn't matter. But when you take a step out for God, it's risky, but it's faith as well. And what I want to share with you is this, is that the devil would do anything, and people around you would do anything to keep you from taking a risk. They're always saying, play it, play it safe, right? Play it safe. Don't do it. Don't do it. You see, when you begin to look at your giant. From ground level, it will fill up the screen. But when you begin to look at your giant from God's perspective, it's amazing how that giant becomes small. And David was looking from God's perspective, and all the other people in Israel's army was looking from their perspective. And let me just tell you something. When you're going to do something for God, and when you're going to quit living for the someday, and you start living for now, it's not about what you can do, but it's about what your God can do. Amen? Amen? And so David goes down, 
And, and he begins to go, walks down into the valley. And as he's walking down, this giant is laughing. Is this the best you got, a little boy? You, who, he said, am I a dog that you send a kid down here to fight me? A child? And look what David says. Now, I think you have to be a teenager to be this brave to say this. Look, look what he says, you know. He says, this day, let's read what's underlined. You ready? Come on. The Lord will. Have you ever faced your day that way? Have you faced your day that way? Not what I will. The Lord will. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I will strike you down and cut off your what? Boy, that's a loudmouth teenager right there, isn't it? That's, that's an anointed teenager. I think I've said a few of those things that wasn't anointed. Today I will give, you the, give the carcass of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a what? There's a God in Israel. He said, the reason I'm doing this is not for me. The reason I'm willing to face you, giant, is because... The God that you've been cursed, cursing is a God that can take care of you, not me. I'm going to, David walks down and he goes by the uh, brook there and he picks up five smooth stones, the Bible says. And as he picks up those stones, he places them right into like, a, looks like a sort of a, a towel that he loops around, you know. So he, he's got both ends of the towel and it's, and it's hanging low here and he puts the rock right in there and it's called a sling. It's not a slingshot like we know. It's a sling. It's like a towel and there's a rock in there. And he begins twirling that. And he tells him, he says, today I'm going to feed your, your carcass to the birds. And then that guy, that giant, says, who are you talking to, you little brat? And he starts walking toward him. And then David says, it's not me. It's God Almighty that's going to deliver you into my hands. And as he begins to twirl that, he twirls it and twirls it and twirls it. And finally, as the giant takes a step toward him, he, throw, he releases one end of that. You know what? I couldn't hit the broads out of a barn with that. <laughs> and I don't know how good David really was with that. I don't probably think he was that good. But as he released it, God did his part. God grabbed that rock. The Holy Spirit of God went, he blew that rock. And as he did, God, has, God is more accurate than a missile. A laser guy. God had a laser guided system before we ever developed it. And God let that rock laser guide. And, it, and the only place that was open on that giant, everything had armor on it except for right here. Right here. And as that rock flew, it hit that giant right between the eyes. And that little stone, that man started rocking and rolling, and he finally fell down on the ground, knocked him out cold. He wasn't dead, but David went over and grabbed his sword, pulled his own sword out of his sheath and raised it up and cut his head off. Now, as you said, why did he pick up five stones? Well, I heard that he had brothers. Just saying. He had brothers. And so what I want to tell you is this, is that, listen, your giant that you're facing, today, let me ask you this question. When is the last time that you've had to live by faith? What, 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 are, you, what are you expecting God for? What, what faith are you displaying right now? Are you, having, are you having to have faith right now? That's the question. Are you having to have faith right now in your circumstance? And see, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's that faith that takes the giant down. It's not you. And I want to tell you this. Risk 
It, to, to, to live your dream, to live passionately, it takes risk. It's not playing it safe, and that's what everybody says to you. Play it safe. Don't take any risks. Don't be a standout. You know, don't be a fool. Don't do this. Don't do that. And if you listen to everybody around you, you will waste your life, and you'll live it with regret. But I'm telling you that God's called us here at SEC not to live with regret. We, he's called us to be giant slayers. And I don't have the ability, and neither you, but my God has the ability to do exceedingly and abundantly and above all we can even ask or imagine, right? And so does your God. And so are you ready to tackle some giants? The first one you need to tackle is your own self, and the way you tackle you is through Jesus Christ. You can't make you better. If you can make you better, you would probably already be better. If you can make you better and you're not getting better, then, man, there's a bigger problem. You need Jesus. And if you do not know him today, I want to introduce you. I want you to take a risk. There's a prayer right here on the bottom of our program called the prayer to become a Christ follower. I want you to pray this prayer. Read it and pray and say, God, that's me. And then what we ask you to do is just check it on the back of this card right here. It says, I'm praying the prayer to become a Christ follower. And what we're going to do is we're going to pray for you that God will help you slay the giants. Amen? Amen? The second thing I'd like to share with you today is this, is stay connected to God's power source. It's coming up. Stay connected to God's power source. Is it on the screen yet? There we go. Stay connected to God's power source. You see, when a person gets a diagnosis like my brother did, it changes them. But the one thing I can say is that my brother was connected to God, but he is, he, he's, he is actually intensified that connection and what, I, what that lesson is for you and I today is that listen if you're going to make a difference in this world and you're going to live the life that God's called you to is that you've got to be connected to God you can't do it on your own if again I already said you know if you could be better on your own you already would you've got to have something greater than you it's God's power source God created us to be better than what we live in, we're living and we have to step up to what God wants us to be so we have to connect to God and so Jesus said this. Look what Jesus said. He said, I'm the vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Now, these next three words, let's read them out loud. You ready? Come on. Abide in me. Now, Jesus is saying that, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, and you're the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit, for without me you can do what? Did you get that? But with him, there's nothing you can't do. Did you hear that? Without me, you can do nothing, but with him, there's nothing you can't do. And so what, I want is it, so what, what is the secret? He said, abide in me. What does that mean? What, what does it mean to abide in him? It means stay connected. Stay connected to me. How, how, do you, how do you stay connected to Jesus? Well, I have this coming up on the screen, and I think this is true. It's called constant communication. Constant communication. You see, this is called conversational prayer. Is that many of you think, okay, well, I, I got up this morning, I said, God bless me, and I'm done for the day. Can I tell you this? Oh, listen to this. You see, praying, praying after your day is done is like our musicians tuning their instrument after church is over. Did you hear that? 
praying after your day is done is like, is like them tuning the instruments after a concert is over. No, no, no. You've got to pray first. And how do you do it? Well, there's two ways I think that we continue to pray. And there's two things that you should always be praying. Always. Number one, the first way of the prayer is a, what I would call constant communication of confession. I'm always, uh, always saying, God, you know, forgive me for even thinking that. You know why? Because if God can deal with it when I'm thinking it, then he wants to deal with it when I've done it. Dear God, did you hear that? If, if, let me say it again for those people in the upper room. If, if you will let God deal with it while you're thinking it, then you won't have to deal with it after you've done it. Isn't that awesome? And it's so true. You know, there's so many things that I've thought that, you know, when between, like Rhonda and I, you know, we've had issues before. I know none of you have ever had issues. I know I'm talking to angels here today. But, but for the people like me, okay, there's a little less than you, all right? We're a little lower than you. But just for me, like there's been things that's been going on, and there's things in my mind that I thought, now the old boy, I'm going to tell her something. Oh, no, she does me that way. Well, I'm going to do her this way. And I thought that, and boy, before I could carry it out, all of a sudden, something in my mind and heart said, uh-uh, you ain't doing that. And then you know what that was? That was God. Amen. So God has saved my tail many times. <laughs> right? Anybody else in the room that God saved you? Amen. Because if, listen, there's been many times, not just with Rhonda, but if I would have done and you would have done what you thought, we'd be in jail, right? Amen. That's right. Somebody would be, wouldn't be alive, would they? That's right. We thought, oh, I'm going to kill them. I'm, I'm just done with them. I'm taking them out. Matter of fact, my children might not even be alive right now. <laughs> Amen? But I wouldn't be alive either because I know my parents thought about that too. Rhonda's thought about it several times, I'm sure. But what I want to tell you is this, is that, see, confession just keeps, it just keeps short's account with God. Watch, watch this. The Bible says this, 1 John uh, 1 and 9. Let me read this to you, and I'm going to tell you something. If we confess our what? Sins. sins. Okay, sins is things against God. And let me tell you something. Before I can ever sin against you or sin against Rhonda, I had to sin against God first. You see that? It ain't just about them. It's, no, it's always between me and God first, right? So he says this. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just. He is faithful and just to forgive us our what? Sins. And notice this part, next part. And to what? Cleanse, Cleanse us from all what? Okay, I'm going to tell you how that works. Here it is. See, when you confess something, here it is. Confession does this. Confession kills the root that causes the bad fruit. Amen. Oh. oh, put that in your pipe and smoke it. I don't know what that means, but I heard it growing up. <laughs> Did you hear that? Confession kills the root that causes the bad fruit. If you will keep, if you will continue to confess, like those, just the thoughts that come to your mind that are not right, guess what? God will kill that. He will kill that root before it can begin to take root. Remember Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. In other words, he says, you know what? If your root system's good, that's the vine's then you grow these branches, then God's job is to grow the fruit. Our job is just to stay connected to the, to the vine, right? And when you stay connected and you're constantly saying, God, I'm sorry for thinking about that. Lord, I'm sorry I said that. God, please forgive me. Lord, I just keep me clean. And if I just keep confessing before God, I won't have to keep confessing to people. Woo! 
yeah, that's good. Isn't that right? Don't, don't you hate the things that you've said sometimes? You, you, you ever regret the things that you've said? Oh, none of you have. I have. I regret some of the things I've said to you before. I go home, go home on Sunday afternoons and I think about everything that I've said that day and I go, oh, God, Lord, please don't let them take that the wrong way. That was horrible. <laughs> horrible. And watch this. So when I confess, what? Confession keeps me humble so I will not stumble. See, just constantly confessing, God, God, I'm sorry. Lord, help. Lord Jesus, you know what I just thought then, Lord. Forgive me. Like some of you are sitting right here right now, and you're thinking some things you shouldn't be thinking. Right now, you need to say, God, forgive me. Lord, forgive me right now. And especially if it's bad about me, you really need to say, God. <laughs> I've been there before. I've thought bad things about preachers before myself. So uh, anyways. So the next thing is, is confess. So that's confession. Then the next part is this. It's prayer. is request. So you constantly communicate with confession and then making a request. God wants you to ask him stuff. Don't you know that your father wants you? I love it when my kids come and ask me stuff that they can't do. I get to be daddy, right? I'm like, you know, I'm like, you haven't used all your strength yet. And they're like, yes, I've tried. I've done everything I could do. I'm like, no, you haven't used all your strength. And they get mad at me. Yes, I have. I've done everything I can do. I said, no, you haven't because you hadn't asked me. I'm a little stronger in that area than you are. And I'm all, I'll help you see our Heavenly Father, sister. You haven't asked me. So ask him, right? Ask him. Now watch this. Prayer. Look what the Bible says here. I quoted this verse a little earlier in a different translation, but look what it says. Ephesians 3.20. With God's power working in us, God can do what? Much, 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 much more. Did you get that? Much, more, much, much more than any can what? Ask or... In other words, God says, I can do more than you even think I can do. I can do that. And David would agree that to, with that too. Now, what I want to tell you is my brother, I told you that his diagnosis, five months to live. Well, it's been, this month marks 18 months. Amen. 18 months. I asked him last Sunday night. I talked to him last Sunday evening. I said, his name, we call him TJ. TJ, I said, TJ, how do you feel? He said, Jeff, I feel fine. I feel like nothing's wrong with me. I go one, he goes once a month and gets a shot, and he takes a little chemo pill. But listen, he has all of his hair. He works every day. And to look at he looks a little better than me. I don't like that either. <laughs> when people look at both of us, they say, oh, you're the one sick. I'm like, shut your mouth. That's true. Look at me. I mean, look at me. If you didn't know me, you'd think, man, that guy's got it bad. <laughs> it's the truth. But what? watch this, amen. Who's, watch that. I heard you up, up in the upper room, too. But look, watch this. So he told me he went to the doctor this past week. He was a little concerned. He said, Jeff, they told me if I don't have surgery, I probably can live five years. But if I have surgery, he said, they can, I can live ten years. And I said, what? What happened to five months? He said, Jeff, I just want to be honest with you. He said, I really thought that this would all be done by now, that God already taken care of it by now. I said, well, I want to tell you something, TJ. God keeps taking care of it day by day. 
Amen. Day by day. We, we want it right now, don't we? We want God to come down right now and wipe it out. But God said, like David said, remember what David said in that valley? Said that everyone will know that there's a God in Israel, right? And so my brother right now is letting everybody know that there's a God in heaven and there's a God that's in him and there's, there's a God that, that took his prognosis from five months, best case scenario, to 18 months. And now they're saying five years and possibly 10 years, the same God that can give him five months, 18 months, five years, 10 years, can give him another 30 or 40 years that the name of God may be praised. Amen? You see... He said, Jeff, I'm still here because people praying for me. He said, I know it's a power of prayer that's changed my diagnosis and extended my life. And let me tell you something. If you want your situation to change, you learn to talk to God every day, 24 hours a day. You talk to him all the time. You talk to him in the morning when you get up. When you're brushing your teeth, you talk to God. When you're driving to work or you're going to school, on the school bus, you talk to God. When you're walking way down the hallways of a middle school that that's tortures the time, you talk to God. Listen, when you're on the interstate and people are about to run over you with road rage, you talk to God. And the reason that you're not dead right now is because you've been talking to God and prayer has changed things. It's not the same for you anymore. The devil would have taken you out a long time ago, but God Almighty has said, heard your prayers. Amen. He's heard you. Do you get it that when you pray, all heaven shuts up that God can hear you? He knows you by name. He's seen you when you was in your mother's stomach. When you were born, he was there when the, dad, the, the doctor slapped you on the bottom. He's been there your whole life. He hasn't left you, forsaken you. And when you talk to him, he's got his ear attentive to you. And he says, I know your name. I know your name. You got, see, you haven't been where I've been to know what I know, but I'm telling you, I know that he knows you. You know how I know he knows you? Because I talk to him about you. That's right. You, 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 listen, God's on your trail because I keep him there. And I hope, listen, and the best thing you can do is keep him on my trail. Amen? Oh, this is better than I thought it was going to be. I want to do something right now. If you know somebody that's suffering with a, with a terminal disease like cancer or something like that, I want you to stand up. Just stand up. You know somebody. Not that you are, but you know somebody. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask God. I'm going to say, God, I want you to heal TJ. And when I, say, when I say TJ, I want you to fill in the name of that person. You ready? Let's pray. Let's believe right now God's going to do it. Lord, right now I come to you, and I ask you today that you would heal TJ. And God, all these names that just went up before you, God, I ask you that you would move in them and today would be the day that they would have a turnaround. And God, instead of having that breakdown, oh God, that they would have a breakthrough. And we just trust you today that you're going to do what we cannot do because you're God. And that the whole world may know that you're the God, our God, oh Lord, the God of heaven and of earth. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now you believe it. Believe it with me. Number three, I've got to move on. The third thing is this, is how to live passionately. The third thing, would you write this down, is reconnect to the God of your dreams. Reconnect to the God of your dreams. Many of us have lost our dreams. You see, listen, when God saved you, he put a dream in your heart, in your heart. You know, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says, in the Greek it says this, the word for heart translates in the Greek 
most of the time to mean this. It simply means the real you, the real you. God puts his dream right where the real you are. In other words, you're never going to be the real you until you're pursuing the dream that God's put in your heart. You're never going to be the real you. Now watch this. Here we go. Watch this. The devil knows that too. And that's why the, the Bible says this in John 10 and 10, because the devil wants to wreck your heart. Look what it says. It says this. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come, Jesus said, that you may have what? Life and have it to the full. Now, I want to tell you something. Watch this. The problem that we have is this, is that we start out with this dream, but somehow the picture of our dream gets broken, doesn't it? Something happens in our life that begins, it wounds us or scars us. And because we go through a tragedy, a difficulty, a struggle, you know, because we w went through a divorce or because, you know, uh, uh, we, our, our childhood, we had an experience in our childhood that was bad or, or, you know, something happened to us along the way that all of a sudden, because of that scar, we remove ourselves out of the game. We take ourselves out of the game of the dream that God has for us. I want to tell you, the majority of the people in the Bible that did great things for God did not have a perfect record. They were messed up, jacked up, just all kind of crazy, right? I mean, from everything, from murder to adultery, you name it, it was there. But God still used them in spite of that. And so what the devil does, he wounds us. He wounds our heart. He wounds us with fear, with uh, anxiety, with, with insecurities, uh, with uh, doubting ourselves that we can't do it. And, and, he just, and that dream that we have gets collapsed to mundane. And we get somehow happy with just, with just going to school, coming home, going back to school, coming home, going to work, and, you know, just coming home and turning the television on. Or we get real, real busy, you know, trying to get our kids in every activity in the world, and, and we just get busy trying to beat the mundane. But listen, what we're really doing is running from the dream God's put in us. And here's what I want to tell you. Don't let your scars take you out. When Jesus was on the earth, would you say that he was wounded? Would you say that when he was on the cross, those nails wounded him? and his hands and his feet, and the spear that was inside wounded him. Would you say that, that when he was being beaten, the Bible says he took 49, uh, 39 stripes on his back, and when he did that, would you say that those left scars on his back? And the Bible says because of that, it did something for us, said it heals us. And so what I want to share with you is this, is that when Jesus went down, he went down because the people were being mistreating him. Would you agree with that? They scarred him, not only physically, but mentally as well, because they all betrayed him. And some of you have been scarred because people have betrayed you, and you've just walked away. You said, they hurt me so bad, I can't do that again. And you've just sort of took yourself out of the game. But let me tell you something. Jesus went down for three days, and he was down because of the wounds that were placed upon him. But after the third day, he found something. It was the power of God. It was the power of God. The power, people wounded him, situations wounded him, but God raised him. Amen. And what I want to tell you is this. And the first thing that Jesus did is when he got up out of the grave and he went back to meet his followers who had abandoned him, he went back to where he was. He scared them to death. And when he came into the room with them, the first thing he did was he opened up his robe and said, Look at my side. Look at my. He showed them his wounds. His wounds authenticated him. He says, You're it. You're the real, you're a real person. You're the real Jesus because of his wounds. And what I want to tell you today is that because of your wounds, it authenticates your life. 
It tells, it tells the world that you're a real person. And what it, does, what it does also is that many times we look at our wounds and we're ashamed of our wounds. We're ashamed of those scars because it reminds us of our past. But let me tell you something. Don't be ashamed of that anymore. Jesus, Jesus said, I want to show you me. I'm not hiding my scars. He didn't say that. He said, no, no, no. I'm showing you my scars. Because you know what he does? When he showed us the scars, he showed us the power of God. Because man tried to knock him down, put him down. But he said, no, on the third day, God raised me up. Now, I want to tell you something. It's time for you and I to get that God dream back out to the forefront of our mind. Instead of you allowing your scar to where people hurt you, that divorce you went through was difficult, that childhood situation you went through was horrible, but I'm telling you today is that you do not allow those scars to keep you down. You raise up and you don't be ashamed of them anymore. You show, you show your scars and say, but, but God has raised me up again. That's what Easter is all about. God's raised us up, Amen. Listen, we're not going to be held down by our past. We are going to, we're going to dr- accomplish the green dream that God put in our heart. We're not going to let the world go by and say, you can't do it, you can't do it. Listen, if I listen to what uh, the world said, we wouldn't be here tonight. And as a church, if we listen to what the world said, we wouldn't be here today. We wouldn't be, we would have quit a long time ago. But we're the kind of people at SEC that says God is greater than me and God's bigger than me and God's a way maker. He makes a way where there is no way. He causes that that is not as though it was. And he's the one that can do what I cannot do. All I got to do is take a step of faith and God shows up. God shows up. Would you stand with me? Oh, I want to encourage you today. Don't give up on the dream. Let's live passionately. You're the David, and there's a Goliath. And you can't take it down, but your God can. He can. Do you believe that? And so what I want us to do now is I want us to sing a song to God. And it just declares who He is. He says, you know, you give hope, oh God. You restore every heart that is broken you. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.